0: Have a great time. thank you we're looking forward to nobody needs celebrating and deserves it more than our moms and so they Kim Pastor Kim she goes all out with her team and getting ready for this and so you don't want to miss it uh May 8th so we let's just a couple believe it or not just a couple weeks Easter's a little late this year uh but it still came didn't it come on so it's worth waiting on and uh we, uh, next week, uh, we do a series called UIO, Upward, Inward, and Outward. It's our uh, first part is discovering membership. Then we de- teach on how to pray for one another the way Jesus did. And, and uh, then we have a part on how to hear the voice of God. And it's one of my favorite parts of it. Next Sunday after this service, we'll have a, a lunch and a training on how to listen to the voice of God. Every one of you can hear God talk to you. And guide you and and love on you and encourage you and so I hope you'll sign up on your let's connect card which on the way out we have baskets we don't take up an offering but we have offering baskets on the way out you can put that with your prayer request and if you signed up uh, for our class next week we'd love to have you with us so uh, let's say a word of prayer together and just invite the Holy Spirit to help us uh, hear what God has to tell us today Father, we love you. We thank you for a day to specifically honor, uh, Lord, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. You said a little bit about the birth of Jesus, uh, but, Lord, you said a lot about the resurrection of Jesus, and it's the foundation of all that we believe. And so, Lord, we just pray you'd help us in a practical way, uh, Lord, in a life-changing way, hear what you have to say to us today from your word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. you know, I, I love and, and have for years had the honor of uh, preaching on Easter. And, and, you know, I love to bring out the, the, the proofs of the Bible and defending the resurrection. I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm going to take a different approach. I'm going to take the approach that the Apostle Peter took. Now, Peter was a fisherman. Jesus called him to follow. And he had a massive fall, uh, denied Jesus three times. Uh, probably you could almost argue one of the worst sins anybody ever committed in the Bible. And yet Jesus, after his resurrection, restores Peter back to him and gives him an assignment to feed his sheep. And, and, and then the, the Bible says many people don't, they miss this, that after Christ's resurrection, he lived on earth for 40 days. Now, he didn't do any show. He didn't go public. He just privately hung out with his disciples. The book of Acts uh, is a continuation Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. in the first few verses it says that he talked to them of the kingdom, spent 40 days eating with them and drinking. Can you imagine? Now this is I ought to tell you something about the resurrection body and we were going to talk a lot about that this morning. I'm going to challenge some preconceived notions. So just stay with me. Don't be offended. But be teachable. And uh, you may not necessarily agree, but just check to see, is that what the Bible teaches? Uh, I'm going to challenge some things and views of death and heaven that maybe you hold to that, uh, you know, I've been wanting to do this. I've been waiting because you had not been here since you won. But, you know, in our family, we've never had anybody ever in my history and anybody I've never known. I grew up in this area. I've never known anybody that won a state championship. But our granddaughters, high school soccer team, 5A Mariner, won the girls' state championship. Kiara, stand up. It's a state champion. Woo! Any Mariner Any Mariner graduates here? Wow! Oh, there we go. Don't be ashamed. They're, they're all, uh, yeah. What a, I'll tell you, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but buddy, I've been a lot of sporting events, and it was more exciting to me than any event I've ever been to. She shut down a Division One signed player. The girl, I don't even think she ever got a shot on the goal, and uh, so we're proud of you, but better that you're a good girl and love Jesus. That's more important, so uh, the other grandkids are going, We almost won something. Riley, did you win anything? No. All right, let's move on. She won it. I'm sorry. I'd celebrate you if you'd have gone on, but you didn't. She won the state championship. That's part of being a grandpa. You can do what you want to do. You can't. You can I got the mic. So Peter preaches this first sermon after Christ has spent 40 days. He tells them to wait. They wait 10 days. He ascends to heaven. They see him. It's not some spaceship odyssey. He entered into the realm of, of the the, 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 the kingdom of God, the presence of God, it's just as real as this realm. It's not out there somewhere. It's a different realm uh, spiritually. And he entered that and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And he said, when I do that, I'll send my Holy Spirit back onto the church that became his presence among us, Christ at the right hand, the Holy Spirit among us. So Peter preaches this first sermon explaining what this wild phenomenon that was happening the fire of God was on people. They were speaking in languages they never spoke in. It was a miracle. And 3,000 people are going to come to Christ through his sermon. So I want, But he doesn't go into proving that Christ was raised from the dead. Let me just pick up the, the message in uh, uh, Acts chapter 2. Uh, Peter preaching. In the middle of his message, he says, verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to this. And I'll say, men and women of Cape Coral, Fort Myers, Lee County, Snowbirds, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man. He took a body. He was a human. Yes, he was God, but he was equally man, human. He didn't take a body that was different than ours. The only difference was it never knew sin, but it was a weak, limited, frail, mortal body. It was able to be killed, and it was. He took a body, was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose, foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. So he's giving the responsibility to us as as sinful people that we're, we're part of that, and and this was a choice of God, it was His plan, and it was a choice of Jesus, but it was still wickedness that put Him on that cross. But then it says this, verse 24, but God, now if again, if you put a period there, we've got a dead Messiah, we've got a dead Savior, do you know that a dead Savior can't help anybody, that a dead Messiah can't help anybody, there's so many misnomers, if it, listen to me. What you'll never find in the Gospels is that the apostles, as though they were filled with sorrow, filled with disillusionment, filled with grief, they, nobody was comforted by what we would do today to try to comfort people. And, and let, let me see. If, you were, if Christ was crucified today, and what is that noise? Okay, that's good. As long as it's a good noise, we're, we're good. If it's somebody's phone, we're not good. So, Christ was crucified. We were all gathered together grieving. And and Christ was buried. And all of our hopes were buried. And what would we say today if we were trying to be religious? Don't give me the right answers. Give me the religious answers that people use today when somebody loses a loved one. What do they tell them? Let me see a hand. What What do people tell them? Yes, sir. They're in a better place. Now, I'm not saying that that's not true. But they didn't say that to the disciples. I said that one time, I've said that many times, and I found that there's a better way to deal with it than that, and I'll get to it. But I said that to a mother in grief at the memorial of her 19 year old who overdosed on drugs and they fried his brain with a 170 degree, 107 degree temperature and opioids that, that killed him. And I tried to comfort her by saying, He's in a better place. She literally came after me to, to claw my eyes out. They had to pull her off of me. And I get it. I'm not, I wasn't mad at her. Uh, she would have got her hands around Jesus. She would have choked him. And she's a mama. She lost her son. So why is that not comforting? Because it, th- this is what we miss in our culture. And you're going to see today that many memorials you've been to and many concepts that you've had aren't the way the Bible treats it about heaven. We we put so much focus on a temporary place called heaven. That's not where we're going to spend eternity. The Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So they weren't comforted by saying Jesus is in a better place because he's dead. And this is what we miss. We miss the fact that a dead body is part of who Jesus was. Jesus is no longer living. Now, his soul was alive. And he goes and announces in the the place of the dead his victory. And there's a lot of mystery about that, but it was triumphant. From the cross, when he said it is finished, torment was over. The hell did not hold him by tormenting him. Jesus was not held captive by the devil tormenting him after the cross. The cross was victory. So Peter says this, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him. What does that mean? That's his body. Freeing his body, freeing him from the pains of death, because it was—don't miss this—it was in the one of the songs we sang. Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I want to talk to you this morning about the impossible. There are things that are impossible for God. For example, the Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. Isn't that good to know? Aren't you? Even if he wanted to, he couldn't do it. Because he's truth. He can't tell a lie. He can't make a promise and not keep it. He's the God that says it, and you can go to the bank on it. When God makes a promise, an oath, a vow, when God says, I'm going to do something, he cannot, he can't sin. God can't do evil. You can't blame ever evil on God. There's something else about God. It's impossible for the powers of death. Now, remember, death is impersonated or personified in the Bible as a living, or I shouldn't even say the word living, but as a, a a being, because behind death is the powers of hell, Satan, darkness. Death is his greatest weapon. It's his greatest torment. Now listen to me. Listen to me. When the Bible says it's impossible. Peter's not giving the proof of the empty tomb. He's not talking about witnesses that saw him, even though he was one of them. He's saying, I'm going to tell you something, the resurrection had to happen. It was imperative. It was necessary. It was certain because of two things, who God is and who Jesus was. So first, I want you to look with me. We're going to come back to this as Peter will finish his message, but I want you to go to Matthew. When Jesus was teaching about who God was, he had some some religious leaders. There were two big groups of religious leaders. One were called Pharisees. They were legalists and hypocrites, and they were hard on people, judgmental. But they still had some good theology. You know, you can have good theology and be a a a, a really not a nice person. There are people that preach good things, but they're not good people. But they were they they had some good views. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in angels, and they believed in the spirit uh, that that people lived on beyond their, their uh, mortality that when they died, it wasn't over. But then there was a group called the Sadducees. And I, you, I can help you always remember it because they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were sad, you see. Okay, so that's, that's it. That stuck with me for a lot of years, so it really must be helpful. Sadducees, what do they believe? They don't believe in anything that makes you happy. Let me help you there. There are churches that are sad, you see, in our culture today, because they've thought they've got a better message than Jesus being resurrected. They can't put their minds around it, they can't explain it scientifically. It doesn't seem like a reality. So it's more of a spiritual thing, it's not a literal thing, it's more symbolic. It's like they'll take Jonah in the belly of the whale, and that didn't really happen. That's just a symbolic story as an illustration that God can do the impossible. But reality is, as Jonah was in a whale, and God took him out alive, Jesus was in the ground three days, and God brought him back to life. Why? It's because of who God is. Now, look at me. So these guys come to Jesus, they say, oh, we'll mess with him. Let's come up with a, a thing he can't answer. In their culture, even in their law, that if you had a woman whose, whose husband died before she had a child, it was the responsibility of the brother, if, she had, if he had a brother, to marry the, uh, uh, the widow, if he wasn't married. And so, uh, because having children was everything to them. They couldn't pass on their, their land, their property, their inheritance. They had to have a child to pass it on to. So they come up with this story. There's a woman that had seven husbands, Every one of them died, and she never had children. The one brother, there were seven brothers. The one died, and the next one married, blah, 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 blah. No children. And so they don't care about marriage, and they're not trying to determine. They're just trying to catch Jesus on how... Complex and stupid the resurrection thinking is because they viewed it as just something that would be a continuation of this life. Which one's going to be your husband? I know some of you have had those thoughts. Maybe you had a spouse die and you remarried, or you've been through a divorce, and you know there's all this. You know, let me just help you here. There is going to be no confusion because your attention's going to be on Jesus. As much as my wife loves me, and she'd like to be able to sneak around the wall and have a little kiss in heaven. Uh, The reality is, she's going to be so enthralled with Jesus. But I want you to see how Jesus answers this dilemma. He says to them in verse 29 of Matthew 22, you're in error. So he's he's not like, oh, just believe whatever you want to believe. If it feels like it to you, that's your truth. Is that our culture? People want to make up their view of what is after death. They, they'll go to great lengths, and they'll listen to this theory and this person that died and had this experience. I'm going to listen to Jesus that came from heaven. I'm going to listen to Jesus that is God's son. He says, you're wrong. You don't get it. And here's two reasons why you're wrong. Number one, he says, you don't know the Bible, the Scriptures. Now, that's, a, that's, that's offensive to these people because they studied the Bible. But you can study the Bible and miss Jesus. You can study the Bible and miss the message. You're going to see at the end of the message, Peter uses the book of Psalms, and, the, and, and David, King David, who wrote it as worship, it's a prophecy, and David knew it as he was writing it, that he's talking about not himself being left in the grave. He's talking about Jesus. He's prophesying about the resurrection. And, and without faith unlocking the Bible to us, it's just a book of theory and ideas and, 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 and laws and precepts. But when Jesus unlocks the Word, it becomes a book about knowing the God of the Word. So he says, number one, you don't know what the Scriptures, because if you lose the Bible as your anchor, if you're no longer tethered to it, if you don't have the, 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 the boundary of the Bible, which the world would love to get rid of, much of the church would like to get rid of it. They just cut out the parts they don't like because they're uncomfortable. Or the Bible makes me uncomfortable all the time because i got flesh. And the Bible deals with our sin, and the Bible deals with our pride, and the Bible deals with us trying to act like we're God in and, and, and our culture today, in churches. I don't, it doesn't shock me that the culture creates their own Bible and their own understanding. But what I, when I see churches, I even know of vineyard leaders that don't have there's not a lot, but there's some that that have drifted from taking the Bible as the Bible, that it's God's word without error. And they they they're without knowingly, they're dismantling their faith and they got nothing left to preach. What do you got to preach? You know, I'm not going to get up here and tell you fun stories. The first Easter service I ever went to as a a believer, I'd gotten saved. I was 18 years old. I was on fire for God. It was on the Sanibel Causeway, a sunrise service. I showed up so excited. God was alive. Jesus had changed me. And they got some professor up there from, uh, I think it was from Edison College. Some somebody that was way smarter than me, but didn't know a thing about Jesus. He talked about chickens and eggs and eggs hatching and the chickens pecking themselves out into the new. Who knows? I literally did this, and some of you won't be shocked by this. Others might go, oh my gosh. I got up in the middle of the talk, walked around behind the stage, and I said, Please, can I get up there after this guy's done and tell him about Jesus? <laughs> Security! Security! I'm like, give me the mic. The guy's not even mentioned Jesus. He's not even mentioned there. He's got chickens pecking out of an egg. How's that going to help me? I needed something with substance, something with life, something with truth. I needed God's word, God's promise. And Jesus said, you're going to go way off the deep end if you don't get anchored in the Bible. Number two, if you're not anchored in the power of God. In other words, if you have a God that can't raise the dead, you've got to puny little God I mean just get over it yeah pick another God if you that's what I'd say to these smart people that talk away miracles in the Bible I'm like let's start with the Bible never defends God it never tries to make an argument to prove God the Bible just steps up on the scene in Genesis and says God made everything deal with it I added the deal with it part but it's right there it's like you can deny there's creation but you're living on it. You can deny there's a God; doesn't change the fact. You can deny anything you want, but it doesn't change the reality. The power of God can do anything, and that's why I have no problem with whether it's parting the Red Seas, or the walls of Jericho coming down, or the dead being raised, or Jesus coming out of the tomb. I don't have a because God is a God of power. He can do anything. He can't lie. He can't lie. And he can't abandon his son or his children that he loves in the grave. Now listen to this next part. Because Jesus, he says to them, you don't know the scriptures. You don't know the power of God. At the resurrection, verse 30, people will neither marry or be given in marriage. In other words, it won't be about sexual union. It won't be about that type of intimacy. It'll be a whole deeper level of intimacy. Intimacy. And he says, they'll be like, not become angels. Some people, little so-and-so's died, and he's one of God's little angels. Wrong. Don't, don't, de- don't degrade believers by calling them angels. We're sons and daughters of God. Angels are not made in his image. They're powerful spiritual beings. They have immortality. They're living forever and that's all he's comparing us to in that level of being like an angel in the sense of we are no longer going to die after the resurrection and then he says this verse 31 but about the resurrection of the dead have you not read what god said to you and he's going to quote moses there's lots of verses we sang about him. We sang in Ezekiel about the dead bones rising, God making the bones, life coming back into them. We read about Elisha who they threw a dead body on top of his dead bones and the dead body came back to life. We could read about Daniel talking about those that are asleep in the dust will be raised up. The Bible is full of resurrection references, but this is an obscure somewhat obscure way to approach it, but it's so powerful when you see the simplicity of it because Jesus said he's going to quote Moses as the sad you sees only believed in Moses. And so he's quoting their hero in a way that will dismantle their beliefs. Verse 32. He said, haven't you read what God said in verse 32? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. That verse right there. It's, it's, it unveils why Jesus couldn't stay in the grave. Because God, Abraham died hundreds of years before Moses. And God says, I'm his God. He's not a cemetery caretaker. He's not walking around the graves of those that once knew him and loved him. And yeah, this is Abraham's grave. And boy, he was a great man. And follow me, not knowing where he was going. And I made lots of promises. He's dead now and he's gone. I couldn't keep him alive. And then there's Isaac. Oh my gosh, what an amazing guy he was miracle birth, you know, and his daddy sacrificed him. And I had to stop him to show that he loved me more than he loved even his son. And then there's, but he's dead. And then, oh, let's just celebrate walking around his grave and go step on that grave. Don't step on that. And God becomes a grave. That's the way some people view. It's like what Jesus is saying. God, there's no boast in God saying all the people that follow me are dead. Where are they? They died. So that says death won. He's beaten. But God's saying two things in this by saying I am the God of Abraham, Isaac. That not I was, I am. They're presently with him. They're still alive. Their bodies are dead. Their bodies are dead. But the fact that they're still with him leads to the promise of their bodies are going to live again. What you Listen to me. For years, I preached heresy. And some of you may have heard it in your churches you grew up in or funerals you've been to. And I meant well by it. But I would often do, as I'd do a memorial, there'd often be a casket right here by the cross. Which, by the way, let me just help you. If you get an option to have a memorial, which COVID kind of robbed us of, of memorials. It was just so sad. People were dying, and they wouldn't let them come together to grieve. I don't care whether I got COVID or not. I'm going to go grieve over somebody I love and gathered. And We couldn't gather. It's just such a horrible thing what they did to us. But let me just say this. And I'm I'm not not saying this that it's evil or wrong. I'm just saying what's better in my view. Funeral homes are a business. But it's a a building that's permeated with death. It's a place of grief, sorrow. Do you know how hard it is to get worship in a service at a funeral home? Do you know how hard it is? I've literally done hundreds of of memorials now it can happen but it's a it's a slog uphill because the minute you walk into a funeral home the smell of death is in there from those putrefied flowers that the smell the the memories of death it screams death wins but when you walk into a church that just got through screaming he is risen christ is risen he's risen indeed and you just sing songs of faith and hope and life get buried in a church that was just my little two cents on that. Get someone that's going to share the hope of the resurrection. Mm. Or go outside. At least do something where there's a, a, a fresh air. But anyway, you can do it in a funeral home. God's not mad at you. Doesn't mean you're less of a funeral, and I'm not diminishing any of you that have gone through that, and blah, 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 blah. All right, let's move on. That was an infomercial for doing funerals back at the church memorial not looking for more to do but just saying find a place of faith when you walk in this place it's been prayed over wept over cried over it's just a building but it's permeated with hope it speaks life it says welcome home it's a place of faith it's a place where we're not suggesting faith we're walking in faith we're assuming faith. So Jesus said, he's not the God of the dead. He's not bragging about people he used to know that used to, they're still with him and they're going to be raised from the dead. That's the implication of what he's saying about these people. If the game isn't over yet. So you, you thought I forgot about the heresy I used to preach. So here's the heresy. So here's the loved one laying right here in the casket, opened it up. We all walk by and I'll say, you know, as you look at that body, that body, it could be in my dad. I did his memorial. I looked at Jack Stilson laying there. And that's a body, That's not really who Jack was. That's just the body he traveled in. That's kind of like a shoe he wore until he, the real him went to be with Jesus in heaven. See right there, I'm, I'm in the heresy. That's not, that's not true. That body is part of who Jack Stilson was. Now, his soul's not in there. But we make heaven take the place of the resurrection. Like Jack's up there helping God build something in heaven. No, he's not. And Grandma's not gardening. And Uncle Joe's not fishing. They can be with the presence of Jesus, yes, if they're a believer. They can be worshiping and praying, but they're waiting because salvation's not complete. If that body that's buried doesn't come back, Then Jesus failed and death won. That's why it was impossible for Jesus to stay in the grave. Because if death wins and just some out of the body, non bodied presence of Jesus is in heaven, and somehow we're comforted by that, every promise is buried with that body. Every miracle, every hope, every power of God is buried with that body. We're robbed, cheated seed. It's done. Death wins if there's no resurrection. But it was impossible, Peter says, because of who God was. He is the God of the only son, Jesus. And if you think he was going to leave him, abandon him, when, uh, in death having its fang and venom and, and coiled around it, not going to happen. There was no battle. There was no, mm, which one's going to win? When, when God said, come out, he rose on the third day. The resurrection is not about proving things. It's about knowing the God that raises the dead. And when he promises, it's powered by who he is, to make that promise happen. The second reason it was impossible is not just who God is, it's who Jesus is. If you go to John chapter 11, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, Jesus raised three people from the dead that we know by stories of the gospel. One was a boy, one was a little girl, 12 years old, and one was his best friend, Lazarus. And if you know the story, Lazarus had two sisters in John 11, and he was sick, and they ran to him and, or sent messengers and said, please come help him. And he waits, and Lazarus dies. The sisters are mad. They're in grief. Why weren't you here? Why did you let him die? And Jesus comes on the scenes with them, and he makes this statement to the grieving sisters in John 11:25, 25. Because she just got through saying, I know he's going to rise again someday in the future at the resurrection. And Jesus says this in John 11:25. 25, I am the resurrection and the life. So he's not saying don't be be comforted. He's in a place called heaven. No, it's not about a place, it's a person. What we believe in is a person, not a place. What we have faith in is being with that person, not in a place we call heaven. That's a temporary place that will wait until the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He's the source of life. That's why he healed the sick, raised the dead, because of who he is. Death couldn't hold him, not just because of the living God, but because he is life itself. Death couldn't hold the body of Jesus down because he's the resurrection and the life. He says, he who believes in me will live, even though he dies. That's speaking about the immortality of the soul, but then he says this, And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He's saying in an ultimate sense, your body may die. But that's only temporary because that body's going to live again. Listen to me. When my dad comes out of the grave, he's still going to be Jack Stilson. I don't think God's going to add a few inches to his height. or It's not going to have cancer-ravaged body. He's not going to have mortality. When Jesus came out of the grave, he came out with the same body he went into the grave with. Do you know why the empty tomb is as important to Christians as it is to non? Because there are those that say that Jesus was just a hallucination or a spiritual apparition, that the body didn't really come to life. These are theologians that teach this, that Jesus was just a spirit, a ghost. That's why Jesus said, hey, handle me. Feel my hand. See the holes in them? That's the same body. That body that died is alive now it's transformed he walks through walls and he still eats that's comforting to me the thought of eating without worrying about cholesterol yes bring it on jesus another bucket of chicken please now oh, we're gonna eat meat or not and i get off and all that but it'll be good whatever it is god likes chicken he likes beef, too, but I know those of you that are vegan, and I know that's all good, but listen, we've got so many misnomers about what's going to happen. Again, there's nothing wrong with believing that a lost loved one went to be in the presence of Jesus. That's what the Bible says. To be absent from body is to be present with the Lord. But salvation's not done. That's not salvation, going to heaven. That's not what it's about. Heaven is a, is a place. Salvation is about a person. Salvation is about the King, Jesus, being Lord of our lives. That when you invite Christ into your life, he gives you the gift of eternal life. That's why that song lyrics, I love them. Somebody knew some theology that wrote that. The resurrected power, the resurrected life is flowing in my veins. Did you know that my body received the gift of eternal life as well as my Spirit, I was born again when I received Christ. I became a new creation. But my body also received the gift of eternal life. That's why when you bury me, it's in the hope that that eternal life is going to raise me to rejoin. See, a, a soul without a body is not a whole person. Jesus without his body is not a whole person. That body is part of who he is. We don't have some Gnostic teaching of the body's evil and we got to escape it through death. No, the body can be evil, can be sinful, but Jesus died. He purchased us both body and soul. My body belongs to Jesus. My body's holy and sacred to Jesus. My body's going to be buried in the hope, certainty, not wish, but the certain hope of the resurrection. It'll be impossible to hold my body down. You know why? Because the one that it was impossible to hold him down lives in this body, and that body's gonna live again. Now that is hope. That's more than I'm up there gardening in heaven with Jesus in some mystical cloud experience. There's dirt in this, there's earth in this, there's tangible physicalness. There's put my feet on a rock. I'm real, not just some apparition spirit floating around in mystic land. I'm Jamie, created in his image, body and soul. Body without the soul, that's no good. That's no good. There's no, there's no part of our being. That's, so there, it's to be whole. So Jesus, as we go back to Peter and close the, the message, Peter brings it to conclusion, this part of the message in Acts 2. He quotes King David out of the Psalms in reference to why it was impossible to hold Jesus in the grave back at verse 25 of chapter 2. He says, David says about Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me. Now this is Jesus, David is writing it as though it's David, but he's prophesying that it's Jesus talking about God. He says, because he's always at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. Verse 26, my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope. Why? Because you will not abandon me to the grave. Why? Because he's the God of the living, not the God of the dead. Because he raises the dead to conquer death. Because it's impossible for death to cling and hold and suppress and capture. He broke the gates of hell. He entered the realm of the dead. And he took victory. And he pillaged the house of darkness. His body was not kept. And then he says, I will not, you'll not let your holy one without sin. Jesus couldn't be kept because the wages of sin is death. He never sinned. You can't keep his body, Satan. You don't get to keep it. It's coming back. And all those that he paid the price of their sins, their bodies will be raised as well. Verse 28, and you've made known to me the paths of life. That's more than just guidance. This is about resurrection. This is about overcoming death. You will fill me with joy in your presence. That's what we refer to heaven, but it's the presence of God. Verse 29, brothers, I tell you confidently, the patriarch David died, was buried, His tomb's here today, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised with an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Verse 31, seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus, this man Jesus, this physical being, Jesus, this God in a body, Jesus. He raised him as a man. Jesus took to heaven a body. He's the first body to go to heaven. There are other people that have died ahead of him. They didn't take their bodies. He's the first physical, recreated, regenerated, resurrected body to go to heaven. He went to heaven as the man Christ Jesus. He made salvation complete. He became one of us so that when he died, he could come out. That's why I love how we baptize people. You know, I say so and so because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried like Christ was buried. We put people all the way under. I'm such a, I've, I've trained our team. If, the, if there's a big guy with a belly like mine and they go all the way down and the belly's sticking up, what do they have to do? They mash that belly down. So, you're not going to get out of that baptism tank a little dry. And I made them put them back down before because they missed the top of their head. Now there's nothing about that. We baptize people, and we baptize someone in a wheelchair, and we, you know, it doesn't always work that way. When you can, we just do it with a handful. In fact, we had uh, Greg and 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 you guys baptized. Was it John? John uh, on Saturday holy saturday he's got stage four cancer and he wanted to be here last week to get baptized and he just physically couldn't make it and i don't i don't think you guys were able to immerse him but you yeah but 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 he was fully wet i mean god god's not limited to how much water that's just us being a little anal you know it's just uh but it's still fun so getting back down you didn't get the whole head in there we're all in no, if you can't. But they buried. You're buried. There's no, like, half buried. You're buried like Christ. We're buried but raised in the likeness of his resurrection. I like to tease with people before I baptize them. I say, how long can you hold your breath? They're like, huh? I said, the record I'm going on so far is four minutes. Baptism is probably one of the most powerful events that will ever happen in your life. Peter ends his sermon with it in just a second. We'll see it. If you've not been baptized as a believer, you're cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself. It's, it's well, you know well, my, my parents baptized me when I was a baby. Oh, well, that was your parents. That's not you as a believer saying yes to Jesus as Lord and following him in obedience and being baptized like he was baptized. I believe God will meet you in baptism in ways that you'll never, ever underestimate. I mean, it's just—it's a powerful release. And so Jesus was buried. Death couldn't hold him because God raised him from the dead. Not just raised him, but then he ascended to heaven. Verse 33, he's exalted at the right hand of God. He didn't stay on earth because God had a place for him to rule. He's ruling earth now at the right hand of God but he's going to send his presence, the Holy Spirit, back. And that's what he says. He's at the right hand. He's received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's poured out what you see and hear. David didn't ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Again, he's speaking prophetically about Jesus and God. Until your enemies are made a footstool for your feet. Now the closing to the message, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel... Cape Coral, Fort Myers, Lee County, Michigan, be assured, Ohio, New York, let every nation be assured, this God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. hallelujah. Then, he, then he closes with his exhortation. What do you do with that? Well, the people say, they heard this, they cried out, and they said, what, what do we do? He says, repent, which is the expression of faith. It's saying yes to Jesus. It's, it's turning your life over to Christ. Repent and be baptized. You can't repent if you're a baby. And you can't get baptized if you haven't repented. You haven't turned to Jesus. They both go together. I'm just advocating, get, get, sign up. I don't know if we'll do it next week. If enough of you signed up today to say, I'm going to be obedient, well, put, I'll, I'll fill the tank next week or next couple weeks. We're going to do it a lot more often here. The Lord spoke to us and just said, fill the tanks. I'm going to meet people in baptism. I'm going to touch people, heal people, free people that are obedient and baptism. And it's a powerful witness that someday your body will be buried, but you've already been buried with Christ. And your body is going to be raised because you've already been raised with Christ through salvation. But your body is part of salvation. It's not, don't forget me. Don't forget me. It's not just some old rag that you used to live in. It's you. You're not you without your body. That's you. Part of you. As much as your soul is you. Don't believe the, the 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 new age teaching and the all the, the eastern stuff that, that the body is some kind of wicked evil you know gotta escape it and death. No. No, that's not our friend. Just because good things come out of it doesn't make it good. Death is evil. It's wicked. It's never been what God wanted it to be. Death was never part of God's plan. But I'm telling you, he beat death at its own game by yielding to death. And through that, it was impossible for death to hold him. And so he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you, your children, and those that are far off. And all the Lord will call. God's been answering our cries for household salvations. We started praying that at the beginning of the year with the Jabez prayer. We baptized 22 people last week, 23 now, counting uh, uh, John that got baptized. But, but two or three of those were families, dads with their sons. Come on. Come on. The kingdom of God isn't an old person's kingdom. And it's not just a young person's kingdom. It's the kingdom of our, our, our young, middle-aged, old. It's the kingdom of God. Churches have given up today on reaching the millenniums because, you know, well, they're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Let me tell you something. The, the, the harder life gets and the more things fall apart and the wheels come off and the more people see that that was stupid what I was told in college, and they're going to wake up to that stuff. Don't underestimate kids. They're not stupid. When they realize, you know what, I've been taught a, a, a bunch of crap at college, and, and it's just, it is that and all these bright people, how are their lives working for them? What's their compelling message that there's no God or that God can be anything you want him to be? And No, there is a God, and he sent his son, and they killed him. But it was impossible. I don't have to prove it if you know who God is, the living God, not of the God of the dead. I don't have to prove it if you know who Jesus was. He was the resurrection and the life, death could not hold him. It wasn't even a test. That tells me who he is, and it tells me who he will be in me and you as we put faith in Christ, so that when I face death and you face death or the fear of death, which is a bully and tries to intimidate, let me just help you. I bless science and I bless doctors and I take all kinds of pills. But you know what? None of them are going to keep me alive forever. There isn't one. They're going to be, find a cure to this? Good. I'm happy. I hope they find a cure to cancer. I, disease is evil. However we can beat it and fight it. But I'm going to just tell you something. Death's going to keep coming until Christ comes back. So my confidence isn't in that I'll never have to face death. My confidence is in the one that already faced death. And he's the one that says he's not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. And he's not going to abandon his love for me in the grave. He's not going to let my body just perish forever in the grave. Now, I don't care what happens to it decomposed. You can choose to be cremated if you want. I don't, that's not my preferred option. But I just, I, 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 I don't mind it. But it's the fact that people often will do that in a statement of this is it. There's no more. Now, if you do get cremated, at least tell them to do something with your body afterwards that says, we're planting this in the hope of the resurrection. It's a seed. We're planting it. It's going to come alive again. I don't care if you were burned in a fire, drowned in the sea, eaten by fish. And God doesn't have a If you've got a problem with a God that can't reconnect your DNA, then you've got a little peony God. puny God. Get a bigger God. He, if he can't find your particles... He made Adam out of the dust, and Eve breathed into him. He don't have a problem saying, come back together. Wherever that DNA went, boom, coming back, coming out, busting the grave. Death cannot hold you when Christ the conqueror lives in you. As the old African-American preacher says, it'll be a great getting up morning. Fairly well, fairly well. When Jesus conquered death, it was the certainty, the guarantee. He's the beginning of new creation. It's not that he went to heaven. It's that he conquered death, defeated darkness, overcame evil, atoned for sins. He triumphed, and then he ascended. His ascension and victory is the confidence that he's coming again. And when he does, the dead in Christ will rise first he'll descend with a shout with the voice of the archangel with a trumpet of God and then the dead in Christ will rise first then we that are alive and remain if we are before his coming will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and in my view return with him in conquering the new heavens and the new earth getting established so let me just say this we have a hope bigger than heaven we have a hope for the body and the soul we have an eternity for the body and the soul that will be reunited in a beautiful powerful resurrection in a transformed form of this body but it will be this body transformed radically no more sorrow no more pain no more disability no more disease no more mortality transformed But it's this body. Because death ain't going to win. Not one molecule does death get to win over. Not one. If he can keep one little toe in the grave, then he's won. If he could just, Jesus, I'll let him go, but let me have his little toe. Jesus only has nine toes now. Then death won. He had to have all ten toes. He had to have all his hair. He had to have who he was. God didn't leave him to decay and be abandoned because he's not that kind of God. And the confidence that that gives us that he won't abandon our loved ones. He won't abandon you when your body's buried in the hope of the resurrection. What a, what a, what a God we serve. It just looks at death and says, Impossible. It looks at darkness and says, impossible. It looks at evil and says, impossible. It looks at sin and says, impossible. It looks at hate, murder, and violence and says, impossible. It looks at all the lies of hell, impossible. When the darkness says that's the end and I've won, impossible. You've got a God that makes it impossible for evil to win, for death to overcome. He's the God of the impossible. Amen? Let's pray together. Thank you, Father. Just take a moment. And, you know, when Jesus spoke to those two grieving sisters and said, it's not about someday. Yes, there'll be a resurrection someday, but he said the resurrection standing right in front of you. His name's Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you'll never die. Even if your body dies, you're not done because that body's going to come back to life. Our faith is not in a place called heaven. It's in a person named Jesus. And wherever he is is where we want to be. If you're here today and, and he asked these two sisters, do you believe this about me? And they said, yes, Lord, we believe that you are the Christ. I just would ask that have you made that surrender of your heart to him today not about are you acknowledging God that he's real or that you know about Jesus that you'd vote on him if he was running for something not with your head but your heart surrendered with your head saying Jesus take all of me body soul mind take all of me if you've not done that this morning what a wonderful time this Easter to say to the living Lord Jesus through his spirit He comes where he's invited, and if you invite him to come, the Bible says in the same sermon that Peter was preaching that in these last days, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, and if you'll call on him right now, he'll give you the gift of salvation. It starts now, not someday when you die. It starts now. Receive that gift. Say, Jesus, I receive your gift of salvation. Now, it's going to mean some things, getting baptized, following the Lord, getting in His Word, growing. That's part of being His disciple. But it begins with surrender of saying yes to Jesus. Father, give courage to those that are whispering that prayer to you right now. Maybe online, Lord. This is the day of new beginnings. This is the day you make all things possible because it was impossible. Things become possible because of the impossible of you staying in that grave it couldn't hold you and i'm glad we're glad we celebrate that bless those that need to take a stand today lord in jesus name amen would you stand with me before we sing this last song we like to do what the bible says and and jesus said it this way if you confess me before men i'll confess you before my father in heaven we're going to ask, with you sitting here today, if you've not publicly said yes to Jesus as Lord, we want to give you that opportunity. You might say, well, Jamie, it's a, it's a private thing to me. Let me help you. In the Bible, there's no such thing as private faith. There is personal faith, and it needs to be personal. But if it's not public, then it's not real. It's unhealthy faith. If you say, well, i just too embarrassed. You're embarrassed like Peter was then to deny the Lord. Serious business confessing Christ as Lord. You've got to go public with your faith to legitimize the personalness of it. It's personal, but not private. I say yes to Jesus, says my Lord. Who'd like to do that this Easter morning? I'm not saying those of you who love Jesus, you're excited about Him. We're going to sing in a minute, and you can exemplify that excitement when we sing. This is for people that haven't stepped across the line of faith. You haven't gone public with your faith, or you've been far from God, it's time to come home. I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. Let me see your hand. We're going to ring a bell and celebrate. If I'm missing people, let me know. But raise up your hand. Say yes, sir. Say I say yes to Jesus. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. We celebrate. We ring the bell to join in the joy of heaven with a father's joy, saying, Welcome home. Someone else, this is your day. I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. Be bold. Your parents can't do it for you, your wife can't do it for you. This is your choice. I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. Yes, sir, go ahead. As my Lord. Come on, man. Good for you, dude. Good for you. Feels good, doesn't it? Come on. Takes courage. The enemy will lie to you and say, that's no big deal. It's a huge deal. Huge deal. Huge deal. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Be bold. That's right. You don't have to get up if you can't. Just say it. All right, come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Bless him, Lord. Give him strength, Lord. Think about that. You have a life living in you that can't ever die. It's in your body, too. My body got saved. That was new to me this week. I mean, I believe what i taught about resurrection, but I never thought about my body accepting the gift of eternal life. My body got saved when I got saved. I didn't get baptized just part of my body. I didn't baptize my soul. Jesus didn't say, let's go baptize souls. No, he baptized my body. He got buried with Jesus. Good. Anyone else? It's Easter. Day of new beginnings. There's no one better. He has no rivals. Death couldn't hold him. Man. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship him, church.